We Have Notes, a podcast for the pop culture obsessed and the people who love them. So we have made it past April 30th without Taylor releasing a new album, which is the date that many Woodvale truthers had circled on the calendar. So I have exhaled, but only a tiny little bit because I swear something is still up. I just, I know it, but also maybe I'm too far gone down the rabbit hole because this is entirely possible. So I just, I would like for her to announce something so then I can know, oh, that was the thing that had us all on edge. So like a vault song from 1989, perhaps that would certainly suffice. In the meantime, I have been listening to a lot of Girl in Red, who is awesome. She, Taylor loves her too. Um, I would say check out We Fell in Love in October or Serotonin is the lead single off her upcoming debut album. So she's had like some viral singles, but she has a, her first full length album coming out. She worked with Phineas on part of it. It's like her, she's really haunting and um, angsty, which, you know, is very much my energy. So um, at least the angsty part. And anyway, I, I would say check it out. And I am so excited though for this week's uh, episode. I had such a fun talk with my friend Alexis DeResta, who loves the 90s and my so-called life and Jane Magazine and TV theme songs as much as I do. So we're going to come back and get into all of that in just a minute. My guest this week is a dear friend and a kindred spirit in so very many ways. Our shared loves range from One Tree Hill to sad girl music, even when we're happy, though she can actually sing, like actually, actually sing, unlike me. Uh, all things beauty, all things the 90s, the Muppets, but really like the 90s are a core, core thing that we share and our love for it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but also we both got our starts at Jane magazine and actually overlapped for a period of time back in 99 when she was an intern and I was a beauty and photo assistant. She also helped launch the makeup brand Tarte back in the day. And that was my jam. And I think we know around here how I get when I'm obsessed with something and the OG Tarte cheek stain was like my favorite thing for a million years. Now she spends her days working her marketing, wizardry, and strategy magic in the beauty space and beyond. She's seriously brilliant and knows the beauty biz better than pretty much anyone I know. I'm also very lucky that she wastes a lot of time DMing and texting with me about shows and songs and clothes and her really, really freaking cool kids. I swear her daughter is going to take over the fashion industry someday if, if that's what she wants to do. So welcome my amazing friend, Alexis Teresta. Hi, welcome Hi. to We Have Notes. Thank you. And How are I, you? I feel I'm good. I feel like I you need game show music at the beginning of this, like for everybody <laughs> that you introduce to be like, this is your life with Abby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just like through my eyes that's how I see you but it was it's, it's very exciting because it's like a real tour of my you know my professional years so thank you for that yes. lovely introduction I know well you're very welcome it's all very true um I love that we were at Jane together at the same time even though we really didn't know each other I mean I'm always like god was I hope I wasn't an asshole you were you were asshole. not an asshole, but I, I remember <laughs> I remember who you were because I made like a special note of the people who were sort of age peers because it felt like they yeah. were like you know it was like that could be me someday. So like I definitely remember you, but we didn't interact very much. Although I was I I wasn't specifically an intern for the beauty department, but I think I kind of made myself one. Like I tried to be yeah. because that was my interest. So I just sort of inserted myself like in the closet and in that corner of the world. You know? Yeah. For those of you who don't know, the beauty closet at magazines is is like a sacred space, especially, I mean, especially for people like us who love beauty products. But it's where like PR companies and brands send the beauty team products to try or to shoot for stories or use in stories, et cetera, et cetera. And then everything else just gets like stored in a closet and some, and some magazines, like it's a full room that has like desks in it. And like people work in there full time. There's a fashion closet and there's a beauty closet, but the beauty closet at Jane wasn't super big, but it was 
filled with goodness. And it, so it was very goodness. disorganized until I got my hands on it because I volunteered to organize it, which was really like more for me. It was a combination. <laughs> yeah. of, it was like combining my love of organization and beauty and also like I could just take some stuff while I was in there. So like, yeah, I, well, I and got you know, this amazing Stila like OG. My job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know oh, what? Yeah. I was I was happy to do it. But yeah, that Stila, I mean, that was like the era of like Stila dominance. It was like OG, like, like Janine Lobel, Stila with like, you know, kitten eyeshadow and like Diamond Lil. And I might have gotten Diamond Lil there too, now that I think about Ooh, it. That was a good I one. I forgot about that one. That was a good one. So how did you end up with this internship? Like I want you to tell the story because I think it's it's like fascinating and it's very Jane magazine-y. So it starts with um, – randomly, a show that was on MTV in the 90s, which I think you remember, called Squirt TV, yes. which was hosted yes. by Jake Vogelnest out of his bedroom in Manhattan. And he would have like the Beastie Boys on and like, like Chibo Matto. <laughs> it was like a- yeah. Oh my God. Chibo Matto. Yes. Totally. Yeah, it was like a very <laughs> random, uh, specific assortment of people. That's and very specific. Yeah. He was my age. And so I was like really into that show. And um, just the fact that there was like a teenager who had a show on MTV, it was super cool. And I was like an early AOL adopter. And I somehow found his screen name and added it to my buddy list. So like, should he ever show up, I could try and like <laughs> chat with him. And that was like 1994 or something when I was in high school. So, you know, I completely forget about this. And then years later, I was in college at NYU. And I'm on AOL as as one would be at that time. <laughs> of course, and, of course. And all of a sudden on my buddy list, and it was like 2 a.m. And like Squirt MTV shows up on my buddy list. And I sent him a message and I was like, is this Jake? And he's like, yeah, who is this? <laughs> and I had to then explain like, well, I added you on this list when I was 14 years old and blah, blah, blah. And I just saw you here and whatever. One thing led to another. We ended up talking I ended up then meeting him a couple of weeks later outside of like the movie theater. Um, what the hell is the name of that theater? Is it Cinema Village on 11th and 3rd where they would show, oh, they used to yeah. do the midnight showings of Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah, I love that theater. I used to live on 5th between 2nd and 3rd for a while. So that was like my main theater. It's, it's love a, that theater. I love that theater too. And that was, and that, so that's where I met him. I like met him at, you know, midnight or something when he came out of the theater and went to a diner with him and his friends. And we kind of started hanging out. And a couple of weeks later, he invited me to Upright Citizens Brigade. He said his friends were doing a show at Upright Citizens Brigade. And did I want to go with him? And so I did. And this was like the Amy Poehler day of, of UCB. So she, she sure. was actually, she was there. And I believe that night Conan O'Brien was like a surprise guest, actually. That's so <laughs> cool. And afterwards we went out to um, Peter McManus's pub around the corner, which is Ugh. sadly RIP, but was like the place. RIP. I think that was yeah. like the place they all went to. And um, I, you know, when he had said like, we're going to hang out with some of my friends, I didn't know his friends were all these like sort of a very, like a highly specific group of celebrities, but like some like were celebrities. Notable. Some, yeah. Notable names, like, but notable to me, especially. So it was like, yeah. It was like Jimmy Fallon and Horatio Sands when they were still featured players on SNL at the time and, and Adam McKay and then Jane Pratt, who like to me, I mean, Jane Pratt was there and she was, of course, with Michael Stipe because they seemed to sort of be joined at the hip at the time. Yes. And I, oh, which was like 100%. basically he was like my I mean, R.E.M. was my favorite band. I had literally just seen them at Jones Beach two weeks before that. And, and it's like. Michael Stipe and Jane Pratt, who was like sort of my editor icon because I had loved Sassy and I loved right. Jane and I knew she was friends with Jake and I was like trying to play it really, really cool and just not say anything like, I know who you are. Like, and I ended up sitting next to her at this, you know, post UCB drinks, snacks. I don't remember what the hell we did because I got really <laughs> drunk. But <laughs> so anyway, I ended up sitting next to Jane and, um, after a while of, you know, drinking and chatting, I said something about the magazine and I kind of, I kind of like dropped in like a deep cut reference. I think it was to, I want to say it was to an article and, and this is actually very funny, um, that, that Diane Farr had written about maybe getting breast reduction surgery or something, either breast reduction or oh. breast implants. But anyway, yes, whatever I remember it was. Diane Farr writing a story. I 
yeah, okay. That's I'm gonna awesome. have to look yeah. up what that what that article was, but I referenced it, and she was like, "Oh, you really, you really read the magazine?" And I was like, you know, then I kind of went in for the kill. I was like, "Yeah, I really do," and I loved Sassy and blah 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 blah. And if you ever need an intern, like I'm around over the summer. And she was like, "Why do you want to wait until the summer? You could intern now." And she gave me her card, and. I ended up like calling on Monday and, you know, basically just got in. I I didn't have to go through any real process. It was kind of like, oh, Jane said you'd be calling. So, and I realized very quickly once I was there that I, I sort of had this like special privilege because of the fact that, you know, she like waved at me and the other interns were like, how do you know her? (laughs) Well, you were an FOJ. We would call you an FOJ, a friend of Jane. Except it didn't really extend, it didn't like have any real benefits beyond that, except that like I (laughs) once, you know, got to go down to a Japanese restaurant on 9th Street and like bring Michael Stipe a bag of film for something. So that was cool because I was like, I was designated, you know, cool enough. Oh yeah. Well, because he would shoot for us too. Like he would shoot for the magazine. So that makes, you know what? That makes sense because at the time I had no idea why the hell I was bringing him film, but now you just- You just solved that mystery. There you go. (laughs) A 20-year-old mystery has been solved. Yeah, he would photograph like um, fashion stories definitely and then some other like reportage-like stuff too. I mean, because they were like best friends. They would do this amazing holiday party together. But like you describing that, like the first time you told me that story, I was like, oh yeah, that's like the microcosm of like what being at Jane was like at the time. Like those are the people she hung out with. Like... I met my then boyfriend in a very similar situation to what you just described because he was like in that circle. And like we, I went to a movie, the premiere of Notting Hill (laughs) with another assistant. And then we went to Joe's pub after and another Jane was there and and Michael was there and Jimmy might've been there. And then like the guy that I ended up dating, um, but well, it's so funny. That so was like the, the way she like the the social circle and the professional circle of that magazine was like very intertwined. And for like fresh out of college me, I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. Is this what all magazines are like? Turns out they weren't. But <laughs> <laughs> you're like, jokes on me. But well, the yeah. funny thing was, so I, this is the story. I, I don't think I told you. That that night, later that night, you know, it was like 3 or 4 a.m. And God knows, I remember at some point I was in the bathroom with her and we were putting on like blue sparkly lipstick together. (laughs) And who came up with this idea? I do not recall. But I remember that somebody had the idea that we would like do a skit in the bar where and it was me, me and Jimmy were the actors in the skit. And we had to try and seduce each other while each one of us was getting like advice whispered to us about like, you know, how, how to go about the seduction where Jane was whispering to me, like, um, the way that's the way that a typical teen girls magazine or like women's mag- magazine would give advice. Uh-huh. And then Adam oh McKay and I think like Horatio were whispering to Jimmy, basically like making it like a comedy sketch, like how an idiot would <laughs> try to seduce somebody. You but did we didn't like know straight the, up you know, improv. Yes. With Adam we basically McKay, did this improv. Yeah. It was that a, is like only I, in New York and also kind of only in the 90s, it feels like, too. Like, oh, yeah. Well, we talk about the 90s a lot because I think we like 90s content and culture. And like the fashion has been back for a minute, but which is great. And I love it. But also, we're finally like our little generation, even that kind of the younger side of Gen X or like almost up to like the cuspy, like elder, really old millennials, like are kind of finally having our moment in like pop culture. I feel like, like we just quietly like went about our business for years, which is very Gen X to just like not give a shit about like being included in shit. But, um, you know, it was like, there's boomers and there's millennials. And then like, we were just this giant generation in the middle that nobody cared about. But now finally, like things are coming back that are like either geared towards us. Like maybe it's cause we're in charge of stuff now, but like, I don't know, like just the younger, the Gen Zers are like obsessed with the nineties and I'm kind of, I love it. Like it makes me happy. It brings me joy. Yeah, I don't know why it is that it's I mean, I I actually think like sort of pathetically it took that generation, you know, being interested in the 90s that all of a sudden yeah. it was like Yes. It was like, "Oh, hey, you know, there's a lot of really good cultural shit to mine here that we <laughs> that we can bring yeah. back." But 
you know, I'm happy for, I mean, I feel like Paramount Plus is like all of the content on there is just, you know, speaking to, and you know, I was, I was like a holdout on that. I was like, what the fuck? Another streaming service? Like I'm not paying for this. Yeah. (laughs) Get off my lawn. (laughs) Yeah. Of course. Now (laughs) we've been watching Paramount Plus. Like we've watched all of the real world and then like the challenge all stars and Violet and I are watching, actually Violet and I just finished watching Daria. We watched all of Daria, which she loved. And um, Violet is Alexis's very cool, so much cooler than I could ever be. I thought you were going to say so much cooler than Alexis, which is also true. No, no. no. Well, you raised her. So, I mean, our raising her. But yeah, she is cool. I I like aspire to be as cool as Violet. We all do. Let's be honest. (laughs) I, I, you know, I've said this before, but like. I'm not one of those parents who's like, oh, my daughter, like, she's just so, she's so amazing. It's, I wouldn't, I would say if she wasn't, but she's like, she's got, she's got something that she's I don't know. Special, it's just, man. Yeah. She's got that, well, like, je well, ne sais quoi. Yeah. And I love that she's like, wanted to, like, was into Daria. Like, that's so, and that is so, like, much like Sassy was to us as like teenagers, because it was different than the other teen magazines. It felt like, edgier or grittier or more real or something like whether that was all in our heads or what but I mean it really was doing things a little differently than like the 17s and YMs of the world which I also read and loved but I got something very different from Sassy and I feel like Daria was also a show that like spoke to that the girl who was a little darker inside of me that I maybe didn't project out into the world in that way but like was sarcastic and weirder than I even let my allowed myself to be. And I wish I would have let myself be weirder, like outwardly when I was a kid, but I I didn't, it didn't feel like I was not like I was so conformist, but just like that, that kind of content like spoke to me or like my so-called life. Like it was also like the beginning of, because of MTV, there was content like for us, like specifically for us. And then like my so-called life came on and it was like, and that was a network television show. Oh God. And, and, and it only had like, oh. that's it's just so, you know, it's such like a piece of my soul. I feel like it's such an important right. part of, you know, like just fun, you know, those fundamental like movies, TV shows, books, like things that kind of shape your worldview and shape who you are. And for me, like my so-called life is just basically, you know, at the top of that so, list because I yeah. was I was going into my sophomore year of high school when it started and she started in her sophomore year of high school, Angela and Claire Danes was, you know, my age. And it was like literally exactly the same. Everything was sort of happening and it just felt so, so realistic. The the plots, yeah. you know, it wasn't like 90210 where every single episode, like there were some episodes where like not that much was happening where they were making drama right. out of the things that are actually dramatic to a teenager. Like, well, like it wasn't like a very special episode, like every episode, right? Yeah. It like you like, didn't need to have somebody with breast cancer and somebody getting raped and somebody getting, you know, it was like yeah. the drama of teenage life is about like when you change your walking path down the hallway and you bump into the guy you have a crush on and you're wondering like, did he change his path too so that he would bump into me like that? They like mind the drama of that and it's enough, you know, like there's enough in there if you're doing it smartly, I think to resonate with, with teenagers, um, especially like smart teenagers. And, you know, I remember like one of my favorite, one of my favorite Angela lines, and it still is today because I still feel this way. So when she was talking about, I think she was talking about a, a moment where she bumped into um, Sharon Chersky and she was with Rayanne and she said something about what I like dread is when two people who know you in completely different ways end up at the same place at the same time and you have to make up like a combination you on the spot. <laughs> and yes. that is, that is me. That is me all over. It's so me to this real. day. Oh my gosh. Oh. I mean, I, I mean, actually said that. I referenced okay. that scene when I was when I was giving birth to Violet because <laughs> when I or beforehand when I talked about people asked if um my mom was going to be in the room and I was like absolutely not because the way that I would be with my mom if I was going through you know childbirth is completely different than the way that I would be if I was just with Phil and the idea of like trying to trying to manage the way that I want to behave is like horrifying to me. Well, like I, whilst giving birth yeah, exactly. to a human being. <laughs> yeah, that's too much. That's too much. And just like, yeah, it was, it was so real. And 
and and the perfor- the writing was obviously really excellent and the performances were amazing from Claire Danes like on down like every character kind of I mean Tito you know like where's Tito like <laughs> Tino I I have Tino yes um why did I just say Tito Tino um but like Rayanne and Ricky and like the parents like I there we're going to have to talk about Jordan Catalano in a second but like the relationship with her mother was so resonant to me with like not only did my mom kind of have like Patty's haircut she had that like short like mom but like not you know like my mom was 40 I mean she might have been even younger than me when that show came on but like she that the way the antagonistic but filled with love relationship of like being you know 15 or 16 and like I fought with my mother so much but obviously I loved her so much but there was just this that tension between them and that way because you're trying to kind of figure out who you are and trying new things and I I would just eye roll my mom at like she said hello to me and I'd be like oh you know like why are you talking to me and she was like I just said good morning like and that was enough to send me into like a teenage like spiral and so I just I just was like oh someone sees me like someone sees that and like you know like the like you said with like Sharon and um and Rayanne and that way that she's trying to navigate the kind of old best friend with the new best friend who are very 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 different in many ways especially like how they kind of fit into the ecosystem of the social network of the school and all of it was just like we'd never had a show that was like like that for us before no and I I mean I think even like not just for us I feel like there really hasn't been that well maybe now there's probably more that that kind of fits that mold but um you know even like previous generations and many subsequent, like there just wasn't a lot that's, that's like that, that really captures those. Like, like I remember the scene where, um, Rayanne has the party at her house and she ends up mm-hmm. ODing and Angela calls her mom to come and, and she knew what to do. Yeah. And they, they go yeah. back to the house where they're having the family reunion. Angela's sitting in the car with her mom and Patty says, um, just promise me that you will always call me like right after Angela has just done that. And Angela yeah. just gets so annoyed. And I'm like, that is, that's exactly it. It's like, you go from this moment of like, there was this real bond and she did the right thing and she called her mom. And then she was so, she felt so, you know, she was so impressed and awestruck by the fact that her mother knew exactly what to do and saved her yeah. friend. And then all of a sudden her mom kind of like ruins the moment. <laughs> I yes. Like, promise me you'll always do that thing that you just did. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's that's it. Like those that like swing, that pendulum swing is like so so real. And that it's like such a going from like I like my mommy to... to I hate my mommy in like two <laughs> seconds is yeah. like... yes, exactly. Um, and yeah, just I, I mean, just I mean, Angela is just. I I say a quote I say all the time is um, why are you like this? Like how you are? Because <laughs> I also am like I ask it to myself often you know like why are Don't you we like all? this like how you are but but that is something she asks of a man who was very important to to me and I think to you at the time and many other women our age and that is Jordan Catalano um as played by Jared Leto and by the way uh, my so-called life is finally streaming so like if you want to if for some reason you haven't watched this, like, please watch it. And if you want to just revisit it, because like there was a time where MTV also played, it was like one glorious season. That's the other thing. It's like, it's like singed in our memory as like perfect because it never had a chance to become imperfect. And, but Jordan, I mean, Jared Leto, like for whatever he has evolved into, will never not hold like a very, very special and important place in my heart and in like my loins basically (laughs) (laughs) I think that's true for so many of us but you know it was what they again what they did really well and I feel like I'm sorry to anybody who didn't watch this show because you're like enough already but um but what they did really well was the fact that they had this guy who was like you know the hot guy but he wasn't just the hot dumb guy like as the show went on you kind of realize there is 
there is more to him and that Angela was sort of seeing that from the beginning and that that was part of what was attracting her to him was not just right. that he was good looking, but that it was like, you know, there was something there and that something starts to reveal itself towards the end so that by the time, you know, you're kind of annoyed at him for all the shit he's put her through. It's also sort of like they leave you with this moment of like, well, wait a second, like, should she be with him or should she be with the guy who's actually like probably, you know, a better a better match in other ways and is like a smart guy. Oh, Brian. And yeah. It's just they actually like created this tension where um there's more to that character than, you know, than kind of meets the eye. He is layered and that is what's interesting. And he is beautiful. And he wasn't, you know, he struggled with school, but he also like could wear that corduroy jacket like nobody's, nobody's business. business. Nobody's biz. He could he when he jumped on my sister and I used to we like when it would run, it would run on like basically like we would binge it on MTV when we didn't call things binging because MTV would run like marathons of my so-called life or they do it with real world or like whatever. But um, when when he jumps on stage to do I want to be sedated and we would just we recorded it on the VCR and then we would just like play the scene like over and over and over again. And then of course, like all the times in the boiler room as you're like, as my like, you know, sexual, like sexual being was coming into, you know, like you're a teenager, like you're becoming a sexual being. And then like watching them make out in the boiler room, I was like, I, it was a lot. It was a lot for you. It, it was a lot to watch with like, like my mother loved that show. So yes. like we used yes. to watch it together and it was like, that's where the realness was like not cool. Cause it was like, yeah, I don't need to watch this specifically with you. Right yeah. Now. I mean, talk about developing a combination age. you on the spot. Like, <laughs> right. You're like, how do I like embrace what I am seeing on this screen and like is making me feel a certain way and also be my mother's daughter, like sitting here watching this show with her. And then of course, like the, I mean, the moment, and I I will pull this up like semi-regularly on YouTube is the the hallway scene where- The Buffalo Tom. The Buffalo Tom comes in and- you know, they've been making out in secret. Basically, he has not, like, acknowledged Angela in any kind of, like, like boyfriend-girlfriend-adjacent way. And then the Buffalo Tom comes on, and he grabs her hand in that hallway. I mean, I could start crying just thinking about it right now. It was so important. And I was like, oh, yes! But again, my history of loving, both in real life and in all of my fiction, emotionally unavailable men who... I also think now for I, me it's it's so that much. but also coupled with like a really good musical cue. Oh when I think about like nineties specific musical cues that are just like yeah. you know, sort of burned in my heart. Like I hear that song and I'm like, ooh, all I want is you <sighs> with the end of reality bites with the cuts back oh. and forth between like Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawk with the like cigarette smoke, which makes you oh. just really want to smoke. <laughs> Whether you oh. ever smoked or not, it's like all of a sudden the romant the romanticism of smoking and pining and all of it. Well, what's that line he says? Like it's like me, you, couple coffees and a pack of smokes. This is all we need: a cu cup of good coffee and five yeah. bucks. I mean, actually, oh. like when you watch that movie back, he's sort of irritating, but nonetheless, I still have. Well, another a soft emotionally spot. unavailable and like doesn't always treat her right man that I still hold a candle for is Troy Dyer. So like, oh, but also see I, now I know, I know I can say, I can talk about another musical cue and a guy here who I know that you're fond of. Um, oh, please tell me. What the hell is the name of the song? I think the song is called little heaven by Toad the wet sprocket oh. at the end of Buffy the vampire oh. slayer. Oh, so good. I loved Toad the wet sprocket. And when Pike walks in and, Oh, oh. He's got the leather. Does he have a leather jacket on? No, he's got, he's, she's got the she's leather got jacket the leather ja on, right? No, he has the leather jacket because then she puts oh, it on yeah, later. Yeah, she puts it on. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I hadn't watched that movie in a really long time. And then I watched it shortly after Luke Perry uh, died. And I like was actually shocked by the feelings that sort of bubbled up. Like I couldn't believe how much I, I had like a sense memory for that moment. And it just made me. 
very emotional. I mean, I still can get really emotional about Luke Perry. Like that is like, I'm like not okay still about it. Like, and I think it's one of those things like I wrote about it in the newsletter, like when, when he died and it's, it's like the way you love someone at that age, whether, whether that's a person really in your life or like a, a character or an actor or whatever is so consuming. And unfortunately I have not been able to separate that. Like I still am like that, but like the way you really, when you're feeling it for the first time, I mean, we've, we've all heard me talk about that British man, but like, I like the way I felt about Luke Perry and, and Dylan McKay is, is still like burned into my soul. And I think like Jordan is there too. We only had one season of Jordan Catalano, but like that way you love and, and that's why I think like so many women around our age were were really, really shaken up. Like when Luke died, like it was Gen X was shook. Oh, yeah. Like shook to the core. And no, I, it's a weird yeah. thing. It's like, I don't know. I, I get much more emotional about when people die who I, are somehow tied to my childhood than about just celebrities who I may really right. like, you know, or like I like their work or I like them personally. Like I don't I don't get that. I don't get that emotional in general because I just feel like it's hard for me to, I don't know. It's not because I'm not sad about it usually when somebody dies, but it's because like I have that sort of feeling of, but I don't really know this person, you know, but I feel like. Oh, you mean I, like I you operate why. with like a normal emotional boundaries about people you don't know. But, but I don't when it comes <laughs> to, when it comes to people. Well, two things. First of all, I don't, if I start like going down a rabbit hole and like watching yeah. videos and then I can like get upset about anybody, but really like the ones that kind of actually make me feel sort of upset on a soul level are the ones that tie back to my childhood. Like I remember getting really, really upset about when John Hughes yeah. died, um, when Jim Henson yes. died. I mean, I was young when Jim Henson died and I like lost my shit. Yeah. I mean, that was awful. Yeah. Um, well, the Muppets are something that are it's very different because it's <laughs> because it's not I guess I guess if I could like, you know, articulate it in any way, it's like you're sad about the person. Yes, um, of course. But the thing that you're sort of mourning is your childhood, yeah. you know, like there it feels like a piece of something died that you can't, you know, that you can't get back. And And for me. I think that's what sort of gets me more in those moments is like, I think about the loss of the person, but you also think about like the loss of the person that you were. Yeah. That's deep. And it's true though. Like it's so, it's so true. Like, you know, I think as we get older, you get, I I've always been a nostalgia person, but like, as you get older, I think you get more nostalgic, but like having like our stuff be super relevant again. It just makes me happy. And then, and then the fact that like, you know, I, I like to pretend like I'm a youth sometimes. And then, but they're I'm like, I get what all you guys are talking about. Cause I fucking lived through it. Like I, I see your fashion that you're doing. That's what I wore in high school, you know, or like, uh, well, I think it's like interesting that we're sort of, you know, it, it's kind of been like, this moment needed to happen because for such a long time, it was just this generation that was, and I hate saying things like it was just this generation that was completely overlooked because I feel like that's very like, I don't know what the memes yeah. about Gen X are all about where it's like, nobody paid attention to us. We were latchkey right, kids. Right. And like now, you know, we know how to handle a pandemic. We got <laughs> this. I'm like, all right, take yeah. it easy. Like that's, that's not my thing, yeah. but I think Actually, just from a marketing point of view, like because that's where my brain sure. goes as as somebody who's been, you know, doing beauty marketing forever. Um, you know, like when we entered the industry, it was like very baby boomer focused still, because it was like they have all disposable income and you know, everything is about anti-aging and aging gracefully. And that was kind of like the vernacular. And then all of a sudden it was like the pendulum swung wildly the other way. And it was all about millennials and, you know, millennial pink yes. and looking natural and not about anti-aging, but about like, you know, embracing, embracing that part of, right. <laughs> you know, embracing your wrinkles and whatever. And there was just no, there was never anything that was really aimed, any communication that was aimed at our age group specifically. Not to say that we couldn't have sort of absorbed the messages on either side, but I just feel like it was never really targeted towards our totally. interests or our, you know, moment in 
the life cycle yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the beauty life cycle or whatever. It was just kind of like, I don't know, talking to people older, talking to people younger. And we were sort of overlooked at the moment where for me, like, you know, where we were all having kids or just entering like a part of life where you actually do have the disposable income to spend on, you know, taking care right. of yourself in whatever right. way you deem necessary. And it was kind of like you had to pick through the messages to figure out what, you know, what made the most sense for you because it wasn't really trying to talk totally. to you. And now like Nikki Taylor's back at CoverGirl and which I just oh, love. I love it so much because I don't know if the, the youth will never understand how important Nikki Taylor was to like our generation and, and, and Chrissy, Chrissy too. Um, like I remember that there was like a rumor that like Nikki Taylor was going to go to Miami of Ohio for college. And that's like a school where like, it's, you know, in the Midwest, it's like a lot of people from Indianapolis, like go to school there. And it like, I don't know how did this room, I mean, it's just like before the internet, like how did we all, but like other people heard it, like not in our school. Like I, everyone was just like, I heard Nikki Taylor's going to go to Miami of Ohio. And now all these people are like, want to go to Miami of Ohio. I mean, it was like a, like spread like wildfire and just like her, just the two of them and their magazine covers and their ad campaigns. And just like, I, I like emulated her. I didn't look anything like her, but like she was. Yeah, I don't know why they like sort of resonated as much as they did because to your, to your point, you know, most of us didn't look like that, but it was like I think I guess it was because they really were our age. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like like they yeah, they were our And they peers. weren't just cuz there was a period of time where, you know, you sort of either had like celebrities on teen magazines or like prior to that it was kind of just like, you know, generic right. models who you didn't really know who they were because they didn't really make a thing out of them. And I, actually, that's that's yeah. it. Now that I think about it, it's like they were models that were given texture. Like they were given like a backstory. Yeah. It was like, these girls are sisters. They have a life. I mean, I remember like Chrissy Taylor had a sunflower tattoo and drove a pickup truck and loved country music and line dancing because yeah. – they talked they, about like, interviewed that in the them. magazines and they, like, like talk, yeah, they had stories. Yeah, about think about them. it yeah. though. Like, think about were there any other models that were like the teen models? Obviously, you know, that there was like a 90s supermodel sure. moment and we knew about them, but they were all a little bit older. So, like people who were on like YM teen 17, like before it started being celebrities, right. there wasn't really anybody that they kind of told you about. Was no, there? I don't think so. I think it really was like Nikki and Chrissy. And that I guess that was the thing. They were like our beautiful friends who like were on magazine covers, yeah. but they also were like teenage girls who talked about teenage girl stuff when they got interviewed and they were interviewed. So I guess that's what it is. Like we did feel like we knew them and, and I see, you see that now play out with celebrities and now with social media and all that stuff. But like that, it wasn't like that. You're right. They really were like new that way because yeah, the soups were like the soups and they were like, and I was obsessed with all of them too, but that was like Vogue and L and Bizarre. And this was like, well, ours. it just didn't feel like accessible yeah. because yeah, like the teen magazines kind of felt like the people who were on those covers just sort of felt like, you know, local girl makes yeah. good, you know? Yeah, and it was like their parents <laughs> I mean, would I always show used up to be, or like, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, they have a mom and dad, you know, like all of that. I mean – Oh, God, I loved them I so used much. to like – you know, I had my my few that I used to kind of track that I was into. Like I remember, you know, I always used to look and see who the mom sure. was. Yeah, and I, me too. I used to me really too. like um, – do you remember Jordan Bloom? Oh, sure do. Who is yes. now – married to Dave Grohl, which yes. was like the craziest fun Ugh. fact. When I found that out, I was like, she was, she was my model. Like I loved her. I loved her and Leilani, Leilani Bishop. Leilani Bishop. And oh my gosh. I haven't heard that name in so long. Wow. That's a, that's a nice She pull. actually lives, she lives out, um, out East and she owns this like organic, um, beauty apothecary called Botanica Bazaar oh, in Amagansett. That's cool. And talk about like, you know, I am not a, a, celebrity person ever. Like I just don't really react yeah. when I, I, I don't know. I just, I have a thing with it. Like I just would never say anything to anybody, but I was there one day and I was buying something and I realized it was her ringing me up. And I was like, this is really weird. I never say things like this, but I just have to tell you that like, I used to love you when I was a teenager. Like I, I remember your 17 covers very, yeah. <laughs> 
I'm sure she loved it. I probably sounded like such a creep. Like, well, no. No, she was very you nice. You were a teenage girl when you were loving them. It wasn't like you were, you know, like you, I, I think, I bet she liked it. I bet she liked it. Um, Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I just love that it's all coming back. I love, I do not understand. One of my friends texted me the other day because, you know, I'm, because I like to be a teenager in my head, I'm very obsessed with Olivia Rodrigo, the singer, the driver's license girl, yeah, yeah. and Deja Vu. Her new album's coming out soon. Um, her first album. It's not, it will be new, but it's also her, like her first, first album. album drops. Yeah, on. it's coming soon. It's called Sour. Um, but like a normal 40 something year old woman, totally normie, I was on her website buying some merch. <laughs> for myself. Um, and as as one does, I was buying a t-shirt and she is selling, and she's not the first young singer that I've seen this, uh, cassette tapes. So they're there. And my other friend texted me and was like, are the, are the kids into cassette tapes? And I was like, yeah, it's like a novelty thing. Like, yes, I just saw them at urban outfitters like two days ago, Violet and I were there and they had these like these like little bins of cassette tapes. Weirdly, they were like almost all Britney Spears. I'm not sure what okay. that was about, but they were like <laughs> different Britney Spears albums on tape. And Violet was like, you know, she was picking them up and thought they were really cool. And I was like, where the hell do you right. play these? But then conveniently located right next to the tapes, they had this this thing called Clear Cassette Player, which was like kind of like a Walkman, but it was like you could hook it up to your you know computer or your speaker or whatever. Um, so yeah, you could buy you could buy a tape player, which actually like now that I think of it, I kind of want to do because I do have my mixtape. So I don't have mine. You still like, have yours. Oh my god, it's such a tra- tragedy. They're at my parents' that I house. Have. I have my my favorite favorite tape, which I actually like. I I even made a post about this years ago because I realized at one point I could take my old tapes. And because, you know, you like know the track oh, list. Yeah. So you hear one song and you're like expecting this song to come next. Yeah. And so I took a couple of my old favorite mixtapes and I like made them into Spotify. Oh, playlists. yeah, that's so smart. And my favorite one was my my ninth grade boyfriend made me a tape, the classic Lex's tape, <laughs> which has like it's like largely probably like 60 percent Depeche Mode. And sure. Pure, sure. But started with Are You Gonna Go My Way? Nice. Which was like. So- very clever. Like it. I like it. Good move. Good move. I mean, part. listen, like we spoke <laughs> volumes with those mixtapes. Like whether you were making them for like oh, yeah. someone you had a crush on or like my friends and I would make them for each other all the time. And actually a song came on. I had like my Spotify on just like full shuffle of like liked songs, which will take you on a real journey for me. Like like I, oh, yeah. I am very all over the place. But um, Starfish and Coffee came on. Prince. And I remember the first time I heard that song was my friend Kate had like put it on a mixtape for me. And I was like, all of a sudden I was like in my car driving around and I was 16 again, like singing Starfish and Coffee. It was like just that visceral sense memory. And you're right. I was expecting like like, the next song from that old mixtape to come on and it did not. But yeah, it's so funny when you hear a song like that and then you think you like start to sing the next song and then you're like, why, why yeah. am I waiting for that? And then you remember it's because, you know, it was on the tape that you like had to, you know, wind back with a pencil. A I times. was also like a real big fan of putting um, Peace Frog by The Doors on like every mixtape I made. I was like real into Peace Frog. I mean, I went through a real Doors phase because oh also like the movie came out and like, and then we went through this phase where we're like, we only listen to old music. Like, that's what was cool. You know, like, we don't listen to new music. We listen to old music because we thought that made us original, which it did not. <laughs> no, I mean, I have, well, I had a bunch of mixtapes that I made where like I used to, I was trying to, Phil and I were explaining this to Violet one day, like the way that you oh, made yeah. tapes and that it was like an exact science. Oh, yeah. First of all. And I'm sure you'll understand this too. Like I used to do the thing where when I was making the tape because I wanted like a fade out, fade in, I used to sit there and like manually fade with the volume control Excellent. and then like fade yeah. into No, I song. yeah, that's that's good work. It's like that's like top level like expertise. But I was I was like very obsessed and still am actually even when I make playlists on Spotify, I'm like really into the flow. Like I don't like a massive key change right. between songs or like there has to, it has to flow into one another. And then on top of that with tapes, you had the like added challenge of if you screwed this oh. up, like I, you know, I used to write like the length right. of 
time for each song, but sometimes you would end up with this like really awkward dead space at the end, which I countered by creating bumpers of TV show theme songs. Incredible. Because <laughs> so, they were like the perfect That's my length. favorite you could, thing like, you've ever in, told like, me, I think. Oh my God. That's amazing. It's a really good trick. If you find yourself making a mixtape anytime in the near future, you just throw in one day at a time. Oh. I, think I had some Dallas. Oh, in Dallas there. was my favorite show. Is that, wait, I watched it with my mom Dallas, every Friday night and our next door neighbor, Bob McConnell. I loved it so much. Is Dallas the one that was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had that yeah. for sure. I had Inspector Gadget. Oh. I had, um, I mean, I just love a theme song. I, really I love do. them so much. I have, like, they, have a, they hold a very special place in my heart, and I find them sort of bubbling up from the depths of my soul in like key moments. I think they're really <laughs> important. They were very important to us. And like, and it's another thing that like the youth will never understand how important those TV theme songs were. They told a story. They were well, narrative. Like if they, they were narrative. If they add them back now, it's going to be in this like ironic yeah. way. You know, yeah, like, these were earnest. Are there any shows that have? Well, you know, when I was watching WandaVision, and I'm not a huge Marvel person, but like it's all, they. it's like through the lens of like, TV decade, you know, it starts in kind of a Old, Dick Van Dyke space yeah. and you go through like a 70s sitcom and like an 80s sitcom that feels very like Kate Nally or like whatever. And it's, and there's like little theme songs for the, it's really, really smart and really great. And even if you're not into Marvel, you can totally watch it. It's like about processing grief and trauma. It's so well done, but it really took me back to that like TV theme song space. I don't know like how they all went away because I feel like it was so I mean when you think back it's like I knew all the theme songs to like you know my three sons and Patty Duke and like and, yeah um, Mr. Ed you know which was oh. so obviously this was like going on forever and then I mean identical know, cousins it will run through my head randomly they're cousins <laughs> I love I mean I love also that, that you have gotten me to sing is not good for anybody's ears, but yeah, no, they're right. so. We're gonna we're gonna work our way. But you know these. what? I'm gonna. I wonder if like if they're on Spotify. Like, I, could I make a playlist of TV theme songs? I oh, don't you know. Sure can. I'm gonna have I've, to. Can you? Okay. <laughs> I found them, but sometimes it's like mixed results because what really bothers me is when you find them and it's like there's some albums that are like just called like TV's greatest hits, and then it's some random. I don't oh, know. Oh, it's not the real. It's not. Yeah, like the and I'm real like, I don't have. Version. I don't have the time for that. Like, I need to. No, hear... I don't want to cover. I don't want to cover. No, like who wants a growing cover of a TV theme song? <laughs> it's perfect. This, I, I feel like this is like a perfect place for us to end this journey into our souls and the '90s. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me to just talk about all of these things that like live in my brain all the time. Anyway, where. Yeah. It's you actually care about them. <laughs> I do deeply, like deeply, deeply in my soul. Um, I love you very much. Thank you for coming on. We have notes. This has been a blast. It's always so much fun. Thank you so much to Alexis for that amazing conversation. Um, apologies again that I attempted to use a singing voice. Also, right when I have like allergy voice. So really, I mean, ugh, I'm sorry I did that to your ears, but so fun. I wanted to also recommend a few other 90s adjacent things for you all. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, Kid, Kid 90 on Hulu, um, which is a documentary directed by Soleil Moonfry. Um yes, Punky Brewster, about her group of friends in that decade. And her house was kind of like a home base for up and coming actors and musicians and just people trying to make it in LA. And so you'll recognize a lot of the faces. Um, Balthazar Getty is in there. He was, oh God, remember him in Lord of the Flies? Like, oh my goodness. And then he was on Alias at the end. Love that guy. Um, and I, even though it's about people, some of whom are famous, um, it really just felt like it could have been about me and my friends, like what they're wearing, their haircuts, the um, going to the amusement park, like somebody's always looking for a lighter uh, for their cigs. Jenny Lewis is in there too. I mean, she, she's always been the coolest, but she's confirmed. She's still the coolest. And unfortunately, Soleil does not explain why so many women my age um, 
we were led to believe that we would encounter a lot of abandoned refrigerators in our lives because of that, you know, that episode of Punky Brewster, that does not, that does not get explained, but it's all very much worth a watch. And there's also Moxie, this movie on Netflix that Amy Poehler directed, and she stars into as the kind of like a Gen X mom whose daughter, inspired by kind of what her mom did in high school, um, starts a zine. So throwing it back to zines. So cassette tapes and zines, they're back, baby. Um, and like kind of a feminist movement at her school too. It's really great. It's it's a great movie. And I've also been watching this show, Cruel Summer, which is on Freeform if you have cable still, but it's also on Hulu the next day. Uh, it's set over three summers in 93, 94, 95. So you're going to get your requisite, like a necessary, like Mazzy Star musical moment. Uh, it's a mystery, so I don't want to give too much away. And also I'm I'm like literally still in the middle of it, but it's you know, a popular girl disappears and the formerly really nerdy girl who kind of steps into her, that space that the popular girl used to occupy, but then everything falls apart by like the third summer. So you're kind of putting together the pieces of this mystery. And then one last, um, rec is a new podcast called the deep dive with June Diane Raphael and Jessica St. Clair, who you may know from, their work as actors or from the bitch sesh universe or how did this get made? They're hilarious and, and very close friends, their entire circle of friends kind of, you might have had contact with on some of those podcasts, but um, June is talking like some real Abby type shit in the 15, first 15 minutes of their first episode. And I was sold from the jump. Um, they're just really funny and real. And if you like the vibe of this pod, I, I which I recognize is sometimes chaotic, I think that you will really connect with the deep dive too. I, I certainly did. So check it out. Let me know if you like it. Um, thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe to We Have Notes, the newsletter at wehavenotes.substack.com. Follow on Instagram at We Have Notes. Uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That's always like really helpful for podcasts. There's a reason why everyone says that. Um, and until next week, watch something nostalgic. Throw on some Buffalo Tom late at night and just maybe dream of Jordan Catalano in that boiler room. And I will talk to you soon. Bye.